welcome to Sage and Spirit, a podcast designed to nourish your mind, body, soul, and spirit. I'm your host, Anna Claire Lottie, and I'm so grateful you're here. In this holistic wellness podcast, I'll be having candid conversations with others, exploring topics such as healing with plants, food as medicine, earth connection, spirituality, conscious entrepreneurship, and so much more. Thank you for being here and sharing in this journey with me. Hello and welcome to season two of Sage and Spirit. I'm so grateful to be back behind the mic and sharing some brand new episodes with you all. Uh, some episodes that I feel are very pertinent to these times that we are currently living in, to this collective journey that we are currently going through. And I really hope that you're going to get a lot out of these conversations I've been having lately. Actually, today, as I launch this brand new episode in the second season of this podcast, I myself am on my way to my beloved Peru, where I will be hosting a nine-day wellness and spirituality retreat with my dear friend Sandra Hamilton of Osha Maze Herbal. So as you're listening, it's possible that I am on the plane and headed to Peru to the beautiful Sacred Valley, where I will be doing a lot of my own healing work and healing work with others, sitting in sacred ceremony, learning from indigenous elders in the Quero communities and other communities within the Sacred Valley, and um, in case you can't tell, I'm very excited for this. And it's been a long time coming. If you've been listening to these episodes, to this podcast, if you've been following any of my journey on social media or on my website, then you know that I have been planning this retreat and trip for almost two whole years now. Um, and it was actually supposed to happen earlier this year, back in February, we had to reschedule and it's finally upon us. So I am also feeling super grateful for that. And I just wanted to mention it because, you know, there's so much that's going on in today's world. And I feel like when we have things to be grateful for, it's so important to share our gratitude and to help remind others that there's always something to be grateful for, no matter what we have going on in our lives. And times can be tough, um, but there are silver linings too. So I hope that you're able to find a silver lining in your day and in your life. And today I want to talk a little bit or I am talking a lot, actually, um, with Catherine Bjorksten, and we are talking about the descent into the world of the shadows, and this feels like a really relevant topic, especially for those of us that are in the Northern Hemisphere as we are finally making our descent into winter. This is generally a time where we're encouraged to go more inward and to really sort of go into our own cave and reflect upon our year and upon our lives and to think about what we really want to bring forth and manifest as we emerge next spring out of the cave. And all of this, of course, is a little bit metaphoric um, as I'm speaking of it. And you'll notice that when Catherine and I have our conversation today, she really goes a lot more in depth as to what this journey is, why she refers to it as the descent, and what it's like to really probe around in the deep, dark corners of our lives 
to look at the things that we've buried that we don't like about ourselves or that we've kind of pushed under the rug to deal with later and, and maybe haven't come back around to them. We talk about how sometimes it can be too painful for these things to exist in the light. And a lot of times that may be why we avoid them or try to forget about them or they get lost somewhere within our subconscious. Uh, Catherine talks a lot about the underworld journey, the subconscious, different sorts of coping mechanisms. And we talk a lot too about how this descent and how working with our shadows, this aspect that we call shadow work, um, how it really has a pretty distinct correlation with the goddess and with many stories of the goddess. And so we talk about some of these goddesses across different cultures, um, such as the journey of Inanna. We talk about Kali. We talk a little bit about Sekhmet from the Egyptian pantheon and mythology. So um, the whole goal really is to discuss the importance of shadow work and how it can really help us to feel empowered, how it can help us to bring back balance and truth in our lives, and how it can bring us to a greater sense of harmony and trust within ourselves. There's so much that can be said about this. And again, I just really feel that this important is super pertinent to the times that we are living in and to this time within the circle and wheel of the year. I hope that you get a lot out of it. I know I certainly did. Um, and to share a little bit with you before we launch into the conversation, I'd love to tell you a little bit more about Catherine. So Catherine Bjorksten is a holistic practitioner who specializes in supporting people who are going through a spiritual awakening. Her motto is integrated and embodied awakening. Following a career in marketing and advertising and also becoming a mother of two, Catherine went through a major awakening herself, which led her to study psychotherapy, spiritual counseling, shamanism, and apprenticing with indigenous leaders and mystical masters across the world. Catherine believes in activating and empowering paradigm shifters by helping them to remember who they truly are in essence, as they are key representatives for the change humanity needs right now. This is done through reconnecting with an animistic way of life, which she'll talk a little bit more about, showing people that they are part of the greater web by reconnecting them with nature, spirit, the divine, and also with each other. She's the author of You Are Loved, Essential Spirit Guides and Guardians, which is part of the Now Age series from Random House and aims at introducing different topics of spirituality to the wider public. This book is an invitation into the realms of spirit in which Catherine shares from her own experience and teachings from various ancient sacred lineages. Catherine has a private practice and has consulted many years at the College of Psychic Studies in London, where she lives. She offers individual sessions, public speaking, and she also facilitates workshops and retreats. She provides a practical and grounded approach to spirituality to help people experience daily life as sacred, because it is. I'm so grateful to have Catherine on today's show and to relaunch the second season of Sage and Spirit with this beautiful conversation. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Catherine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thanks for having me. It's really lovely to be on your show. I'm very grateful you have invited me. 
Absolutely. Well, I know we have a lot to talk about today, and this is such an important topic, um, especially for these times that we're living in. And so I'm ready to just dive right in with you. And I'd love if you could start off with talking a little bit about what shadow work is and um, coming from your perspective, why that feels important for these times that we're in. Yeah, so it's interesting because shadow work has become a bit of a buzzword in the in the kind of like self self help or self development arena. Um, uh, I think you know, as we 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 kind of touched upon it when we started talking about this um, this podcast. Um, I don't have a formal training in shadow work, and um, some people do. And it's usually based on Jungian principles, the work of Carl Jung and, and these kind of things. So working a lot with archetypes and which I still believe is, is quite important. But the way I look at shadow work and the way I interpret it is very much based on my own journey and what I've seen working with clients, what I've seen on retreats, what I've seen in, you know, bigger and smaller containers. And also what I see that is, you know, playing out in the world today, really. Um, so for me, the definition of shadow work really is a journey into the deep, dark corners of our being, basically. Um, the parts of ourselves that we don't necessarily like, the parts of ourselves that we've spent a lot of time burying. And um, there's a reason why we're burying it. It's because if we make it conscious or you know, we bring it to the light, it very often is too painful to exist in the light. So in a way, shadow work and subconscious kind of for me are synonymous so whatever is subconscious exists in the shadow or in the underworld and the underworld is also a term that i would use for the shadow um so very often when we go about our human experience we go through childhood and have all the experiences that we do and very often because we are children we don't always know how to handle things, how to respond to them. And we very often take on various narratives and um, personas and very much also coping mechanisms. And those help us to not feel the pain. And that's where we kind of bury this, the, all the stuff that will be the shadow and the subconscious. So it kind of is a bit the belly of the beast. Um, some people might be familiar with Inanna's journey. Um, Inanna is one of the dark goddesses and she went to visit her sister, Erishkagal, and she had to go through seven, seven gates to get to her. So her sister was in the underworld and she wanted to go and see her. And the way the story goes is that at every gate she had to let go of an ornament or um or a piece of clothing that she was wearing so basically by the time she arrived at her destination in the underworld to meet her sister Irish Kagal she was naked so the journey in a way of shadow work is to undressing ourselves and to really show up in our most authentic and naked expression. That's how I would define shadow work. Mm. 
Thank you for that. Um, I love the visual too, and just the thought of going through sort of these different layers and processes and removing anything that is not self. And like you're saying, just showing up in the most authentic way. And it sort of reminds me too, what you're, what you're talking about with coping mechanisms and how we sort of create more of this shadow as we just deal with life at hand. Um, would you maybe compare that in some ways to sort of like the dissociation of self when we go through traumatic experiences and um, almost like soul, would you compare the underworld journey and this journey of, you know, the buzzword shadow work um, of being a bit of a soul retrieval in some ways? Do you see any sort of correlation between those? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the shamanic tradition, people say that traumas are the are events that make us lose pieces of our soul. Mm-hmm. And shadow work, I think, is in a way finding what those pieces are and the process led, that led to the loss. And then there is the soul retrieval, which is also a shamanic healing practice where we re- reclaim a part of ourself that was lost. And very often these traumatic events and any kind of like form of disease is caused by soul loss and we lose part of our power and part of our soul. So that's why I believe shadow work is so important. It's very difficult, I believe, to be whole if we don't retrieve all these pieces and go through the process of going through the belly of the beast or going into the belly of the beast because there is, as I said earlier, like there is a reason why we don't, we have made all this unconscious. It's because it's been so painful. So that means that we need to confront these moments or these people or these situations that kind of led to this, this trauma and this solace and this, this empowerment. Right. Um, You know, it's interesting before we started recording today, we were talking a little bit about both of our experiences in Peru And in the past, when I have talked about my trips to Peru with other people, I always find myself feeling a little bit cheesy, but telling them that every time I visit Peru, I feel like I collect more pieces of myself. And anytime I've visited Peru, there has always been challenges along the way. Um, You know, people are like, wow, that sounds beautiful. What an amazing vacation. And it is. And it's also for me in my experience in going to those places in Peru, um, it's been quite a pilgrimage and I always have to deal with things that I don't want to deal with, look at aspects of myself, things come up for me in Peru and, and they sort of make me face them. And, and not that, you know, that only happens there obviously, um, but it's something that I've definitely noticed. And I noticed that I was telling people that I felt like I was collecting pieces of myself because it's, I've been able to do some pretty deep healing work there. And so I think that's helped facilitated some of this. And of course there's, you know, always more, more work to do and, and more, mm-hmm digging and and going deeper into the psyche and the self and our past and our traumas and experiences. Um, I don't know if you've had any any similar such experiences in Peru, um, but I just think it's really interesting that was kind of coming up for me when you were talking about this, becoming whole and collecting these pieces of ourself that we have somehow abandoned or, or gotten away from because of our previous experiences in life. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, my I think you know, the moment I started connecting with Peru was a really difficult time in my life because my marriage fell apart and I had two young kids who are older now and everything is is you know is pretty good now actually. Um, but it was really interesting that at the time of all of this happening, that's when I started traveling to Peru on a regular basis. And one of the things that I've realized also doing, you know, this work now for quite a bit is that when we are in a container that is very deeply ceremonial and has a lot of light, the frequency of the Andes is so high, as you know yourself, uh, that, you know, whatever is kind of in not congruous with our soul starts getting kind of rattled. And then these pieces within ourselves start kind of like, you know, um, coming off the surface <laughs> and really yes. coming all the way up to the surface. And we start feeling that, you know, there are things that we haven't felt or dealt with and mainly felt that come to our awareness. And that I find happens very often when we go to sacred sites, when we sit in ceremony, when we're also surrounded by people who hold this very kind of catalytic energy. Mm -hmm. And certainly the Pacos do that, you know, like the wisdom keepers that you and I have, have worked with um, because they're gatekeepers and that's what they're doing. They're here to, in a way, like take us to the places that are going to loosen up the pieces that are still difficult and that we still hold on to. So in a way, they kind of, you know, going to Peru has been a huge piece of my shadow work. And I just didn't know that, you know, it could be called anything. I was just like, this is a really, really rough trip, you know? Yes. And and I, I didn't work with, with plant medicine myself. Like it's, I work with mountain medicine and the Apus, and they're called mm -hmm. the Apus. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it was in, in every single time. It's like, you know, it never disappoints. It's a bit like there's a place here in, in the UK where I live called Glastonbury that a few people are familiar with. And it's the same, like it has a very, very strong energy, very kind of dark goddess energy. So when people immerse themselves in the energy field of the land, it's really intense. Like usually they have great experiences, very deep experiences, but also quite difficult ones. And I find it's really fascinating because, and this is kind of more talking about the general like perspective of, you know, the spiritual scene where a lot of people chase enlightenment, a lot of people chase the high you know, I mean, everybody wants the high, why not? You know, I did myself and I still, you know, would like to, <laughs> but I've also have a much more balanced understanding of what spiritual work really means. And so when people kind of like find themselves in these containers that can make them quite uncomfortable, like going to Peru or going to Glastonbury or what, whatever sacred site that holds a really high frequency that is going to stir the pots, um, some people can be quite surprised because they're like, well, that's not what I signed up for. I wanted to have, you know, like this elated, you know, fun type of, uh, experience, but it's, it's like everything, you know, like on the spiritual path, like everything it's, it, there is balance. It's like nature, you know, the point is not like what's good or what's bad or what's light or what's dark. It's like, how do we bring back the balance? Mm -hmm. And that's what matters. And how do we bring forward the truth? 
So I think that that's, you know, part of what shadow work is here to do. And anyone who's embarking on a spiritual journey needs to be aware of that. And I think it always comes in due course, but some people stop when, when it comes to the shadow work, then they're like, okay, I want to get off now. <laughs> I don't want to be on the merry-go-round anymore. So it can be a bit rough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so funny because I, I literally was getting chills the whole time you were talking because all of this rings so true. And that's a, such a great way to put it. it. These experiences, they stir the pot, they rattle us, they shake us up. And so that all these aspects of not self or where we've dissociated or the things that we haven't looked at and dealt with, they just kind of come falling right at our feet so that we have to, you know, we can't really sort of step forward without looking at them, without dealing yeah. with them. And, um, and bringing some sort of balance and truth back into the equation. And certainly, yeah, everyone loves the mountaintop experience, right? You're up there. I mean, the literal mountaintop experience where you've got these beautiful yeah. 360 views and, you know, you're low oxygen, you're just kind of high from that anyway. Um, but but also, you know, the, the figurative mountaintop experiences, whether people are working with plant medicines or just in other ceremonies or whatever the case may be, where they get these, these feelings of elation and <clears throat> so-called enlightenment, or, you know, they see things from another perspective. And then after that, there's, you know, the integration piece, which is a little bit of a buzzword also. Um, <clears throat> but it's so important to, to bring that into our, our psyche and our souls, and also realize that th there are these other aspects that are super important to deal with. So, um, yeah, it's really fascinating and and really important. And I wonder if you want to talk a little bit about how doing this sort of of work, which seems kind of like an interesting word to even describe it, but but going on this sort of journey, this underworld journey, this journey of getting to really know ourselves in a deeper way and to shine light into these places in the shadows to to bring them to our consciousness and to really confront them. Um, it seems to me like there's so much empowerment in that. And I wonder if you could maybe speak to that. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, you know, like that's where it's in the shadow that our power and our light really lives. I mean, it sounds paradoxical, but that's how we usually retrieve our light is when we go into the dark. Um, and same for power, you know, and there's something around shadow work, fear, power. There's like a little triangle going on there mm. that I have kind of seen work out. Um, cause the thing is like, if we don't do shadow work, we usually stay stuck in unhealthy patterns that are subconscious. So it's the typical kind of like, I don't understand. I'm always dating the same guy, or I always have the same boss, or my friends are always this or that, you know, like, and it just is the same story, just with different faces playing out over and over and over. So the subconscious runs the show. Therefore, the shadow basically runs the show. And so we are not in, we're not empowered because something else rules over us, our shadow. So when we start taking like ownership of our shadow, recognize that we had a shadow, because first of all, I think that's an important part of the process is to recognize we have, we all have a shadow. We all have a light side and a dark side. 
And that can be really difficult to admit. Mm -hmm. So when we start kind of admitting to that and we start having an awareness of that, we can start working with the aspects of ourselves that usually blindside us. We are not even aware that they're blindsiding us. Um, I wrote a post today actually (laughs) on Instagram and it was the, it was a Carl Jung uh, quote, which is until you make the subconscious conscious, you will call it fate. So it's like people believe that, you know, oh, this is happening. It's incredible. This is fate. No, it's not. You're recreating the same stuff over and over. So when we do our shadow work, we start unveiling those parts that keep us asleep and keep on kind of like keeping, they keep us stuck. So when we own that, we can also retrieve our power because nothing and no one can have power over us. It's almost like, kind of a, an unhealthy toxic dynamic where somebody is like blackmailing, you know, someone else and saying, if you don't do this, then I'm going to tell them you've done this and you've done that because in a way that's what the shadow does. It kind of is, it's almost like a puppeteer where it's like trying to pull the strings of how we're going to be, how we're going to experience life, how we're going to relate to people. But when we're aware of our shadow, then we can start calling the shots because we know what what happens within us when we're having, I don't know, like let's say in in a relationship, if we have a, an, I don't know, a past with, you know, abandonment issues and that every single time plays out and we always feel that we know put ourselves in relationships where we'll be left for one reason or another. When we know that that's our tendency and we can really own it, we can start working with it. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to change overnight, but at least we retrieve our own power and we know that we can do something about it. We can live in a different way. And it's a huge exercise in acceptance because it really is accepting that, you know, we're all of it. We're the whole gamut. Like we're not just this, like, especially I think with women, there's so much indoctrination that, you know, most of you know, most women, I would say, at least our generation um, would kind of um, have been raised with. It's like the good girl kind of, you know, archetype, like girls don't get angry and girls do this and then don't do that, et cetera, et cetera. So imagine like owning the shadow of that, you know, and it's it goes against everything that you've been taught and conditioned to be. Mm-hmm. So when we can actually really step into our fear of who we are, because it really is, we're fearful of, of that aspect, then we can retrieve our greatest power. I mean, I was told, you know, a few times by someone who I work closely with that, you know, on the other side, where our greatest fear lies, that's where our power lies. Mm. That's, you know, it sounds like a bit of a cryptic thing, but really when you start really seeing it you can really start understanding okay like because if nothing has power over you then you know there is there is only opportunity and there is only expansion and liberation on the other side so Mm -hmm. i my belief is that you know shadow work is a massive gateway to liberation yeah, that um, that's those are such powerful statements, and you know, it's basically kind of what you were saying with 
some people believing that when the shadow is running the show, oh, it's fate. Oh, I just, for whatever reason, I just keep to keep attracting these situations or these people into my life or these relationships when, and when we do that, we're, we're in a way giving away our power, right? Because we're saying, well, it's out of my hands. It's just the way that things are. When really, if, if we are able to look at these aspects and start to question them, then we, we begin to take our power back and to really step into our power and realize that we can do something about it and that it may not be easy to look at these aspects and to figure out how to work with them necessarily. Um, but there is, there's so much power and, and beauty in that. And it, and it oftentimes does take going against the grain a little bit because there's so much that we are taught or indoctrinated with that we hold to be true when that, that may not really necessarily be all the case. Um, so I think that that's a really important piece to distinguish in all this is that there, the, the work may not be the easiest thing to look at or to do. And it is a pretty perpetual process. It's not a, a yeah. one and done sort of thing. You don't just say, yeah. well, I did my shadow work today. So life is great now, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're still going to have these things come up, but you're able to approach them in a different way and from a different perspective. And it's sort of like the analogy of the onion, right? There's all these yeah. layers and we begin to peel them away, but you don't just peel away one layer and then it's all gone. You just, you have to keep going deeper and deeper and you know, there's so many books that are written about this. There's so many movies and everything else. And that gets into the archetypes too. Um, but it's like, you know, Dante's Inferno and like these seven layers of hell and all these different things and, and the journey mm -hmm. of Inanna, like you mentioned. Um, so you mentioned fear and that part of this um, journey into the shadow has a lot to do with, you know, really assessing our relationship with fear. And there's a certain willingness that's required to, to really look fear in the eye is essentially what we're talking about. And I wonder if you might have any thoughts or suggestions or anything on that topic as far as, you know, if people are like, this sounds like something that I, I really should start considering in my life. I, you know, I want to step into my power. I want to embody who I really am and, and know my authentic self and, and be that person. Um, do you, you know, maybe in your own experience, mm -hmm. were there certain things that supported you in beginning these processes? Yeah, I think the first thing that's that's come to mind when you were asking the question is you have to be willing to let go of control. So people who find themselves in quite controlling patterns, which I think is quite common, certainly was for me and certainly is to a certain extent, um, because that keeps us safe. Um, shadow work is going to shatter that because for as long as we try to control our identity and our image, it's going to be really difficult to get on the other side of, you know, what we're trying to, to kind of cultivate with shadow work or break through with shadow work. So I think, you know, like everything with deep work, you have to have really solid people that take you through it or that support you because it's also a daily process. It's, you know, we can go into really deep and, and, and hardcore ceremonies, you know, that are held by, by the people who, who do. Um, I would always invite people to really do their research of who they engage with, you know, no matter 
what it is that they're doing, whether it's, you know, a, a ceremony or, or, you know, one-to-one -one work, um, because not everyone who is in this field has good <laughs> intentions, unfortunately. Um, so especially, you know, one of the things actually that I find really quite indicative of where someone is at in terms of, you know, support, uh, when we're looking for support to do this work is, you know, how comfortable are they in the company of other people's shadow? You know, do they get triggered really easily by certain things? Is there a theme that keeps on popping up where you see like they really can't stand somebody who's needy or weak or aggressive or whatever, you know? And of course, we're still human, you know, nobody has transcended it all, but somebody who's done really deep shadow work themselves they're pretty easygoing around, you know, when the shit really hits the fan in a group dynamic or when somebody is like having a massive like purge, whatever, emotional, I'm not necessarily talking about the physical one. Mm -hmm. um, but they'll be very cool, you know, they'll, they'll, they won't take it personally. They'll be very neutral. They'll witness you rather than engage with you in whatever you're going through as you're going through your, your shadow stuff as it's starting to reveal itself. So um, I think, you know, that's one thing that to really pay attention to is like, who are the people that you're going to work with and where are they at with their own shadow? And maybe that would be quite obvious to me because I've done quite a lot of work with this. So maybe somebody who's on the beginning of their journey. I mean, you know, like our bodies know very often, you know, also like who how do they feel in their bodies when they engage with the person that they're going to work with? Um, and sometimes, you know, we need to work with people who are going to really mess us up sometimes. I mean, it's not the plan to start with, but that's, you know, it will definitely uproot our shadow as well. I mean, I'm not, you know, saying find the person who is the least compatible <laughs> and work with them and get really messed up. But sometimes that happens, you know, mm -hmm. um, with teachers and, and mentors and all of this. So um, those are really kind of quite important aspects. And then I would also say, you know, with any kind of deep processing that we do, because when we start going into shadow work, we start shatter shattering our identity and our conditioning at large. So it will bring some pretty stark realizations and maybe also some big changes in, you know, our lives. And I think anyone who is on, you know, this journey will have experienced that somehow. But with shadow work, I think it's important to be also very kind to yourself when you're going through it. And it's a great teacher in self-compassion and self-love because we have to look at these parts of ourselves that, you know, we've buried for, you know, with good reason because somehow our mind wanted to protect us from this pain. So having also a support system is really important. Um, you know, having, um, whether it's a therapist, whether also body work can be really important because, you know, a lot of our shadow can be lodged in our bodies. So, you know, whether it's working with someone who does somatic work or somebody who, who does, you know, plain, well, plain, it's not like, but who does body work, who moves the energy in the body. Self-care is really important when we embark on this journey because it will bring up like, 
you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And very often, you know, the bad and the ugly more than the good, <laughs> the good comes after. Right. Um, and also one thing that is important is that it can sometimes you know, people can stay there too long. And I certainly have experienced that where, we you know, we stay in the shadow for too long and it can become very, very heavy. Mm. And it's important to balance that with, you know, daily, joyous, you know, easy on, on the mind kind of activities. So it's important to unplug also from the work to not like go, you know, hardcore immersive. And sometimes we have to, and that's just, you know, life will decide for us. But to be to be careful not to be caught in, in like the quicksand mm. of shadow work. So, and obviously having peers who are on a similar journey always helps because then, you know, you can, you can share and discuss and compare notes and stuff like that. So yeah, those would be the things that I would recommend. Yeah. Those are all really great. Thank you so much for that. I think that there's, there's, a lot of importance in what you're saying here with really having a support system, knowing who your support system is before you get started with this, if it's not something that you've consciously began to work with or encounter at this point, um, you know, kind of maybe identifying that ahead of time, like I'm getting ready to do an underworld journey. Who are my people? Who are the people I can talk to, the people I can turn to? And also this point about discernment and who we're working with. If we're working with people who lead ceremony, with people who you know, say that they can walk us through this journey in some way or another. Um, there are a lot of people in these positions who have put themselves in these positions or ended up here somehow. And sometimes their shadow actually takes over and they may or may not be conscious of it. And we see that a lot in medicine circles, you know, yeah. a lot and, and in yoga and, and, and religion, you know, all of these, a lot of this stuff is starting to come out of the shadows and into the light that these people are supposed to be holding the light are actually <laughs> deep in, in the shadow. Yeah. And so I think it's really important what you said. And I want to maybe add a little bit to that, that really getting in touch with our intuition. And sometimes it is like you said, just a body knowing we know when we walk into a room and there's tension, right? So many of us can feel that. So yeah. it's that knowing where we may not really have a fully conscious understanding of what's going on, but we feel something in our body that at least gives us uh, a pause to where we might be, question, you know, why, why do I feel this way? What is the sensation that's coming through? And so certainly applying that to people that we surround ourselves with or people that we may want to work with in some capacity. And sometimes there can be a real magnetism to people who may or may not be the best fit for this type of yeah. work or journey. And so um, to really decipher what we feel in our bodies and do we, do we feel like we want to lean into this or is there something that even though, you know, on their website and, and their other participants maybe have really great things to say, but we're like, Hmm, I don't know. Something about this person just feels a little weird listening to that and really trusting our gut. And I think that so much of this work does require an insane amount of trust and acceptance. And the more that we can incorporate our intuition into that, I think the, the more easily or readily that we can be guided to the right situations and the right people. Um, so I think that that, that is really important to, yeah. to consider and our bodies tell us, we just need to be tuned in enough that we 
can be aware and listen to those responses that come up for us. So, um, so really, really important pieces there. And to touch on it a little bit more, you know, you mentioned that some of the conditioning that, that women receive, um, especially in our generation and in previous generations and, you know, potentially and and likely those to come. Um, And so there's this sort of correlation of the divine feminine, the awakening of the feminine within, and this almost seemingly counterintuitive descent. So there's this awakening and like rising process. And at the same time, there's this descent, this underworld journey, this womb-like envelopment where it's dark and dank, and we're feeling into this and really trying to discover what's there. And That actually makes me think a little bit about Peru as well, because they talk a lot about things that are seemingly dualistic, yet they're really one in the same, you know, the, the light and the dark, they don't, one can't exist without the other. So a lot of times it seems like people try to abolish duality and, and like you said, just have these mountaintop experiences and well, I'm just seeking enlightenment. Well, there is no enlightenment without looking at the shadow and and accepting that and integrating that. So does that make sense? Like it's seemingly dualistic, but it's really all one and the same. It's two sides of the same coin and, you know, it's not one dimensional. Um, So I wonder if you want to talk about that, maybe just a little bit more with how this relates to the feminine awakening, how it relates to our connection with the earth, the earth mother, the womb space. Um, If you maybe just want to touch on that a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, what I was taught, I did a, a training in in um, in womb awakening, an apprenticeship in that and, you know, divine feminine, however you want to call it. Um, and I was always a little somehow like it just really called me and I've, I've always been a little kind of, you know, distant from from that world. It wasn't really something that called me, but. I was really surprised and I really started understanding why it called me so much because I think there has been a bit of a, uh, a kind of like scene set around the divine feminine and the goddess and all of that uh, with, you know, long flowy purple dresses and, and, you know, like a lot of, you know, female promiscuity, which is fine. Everybody do each their own. But what I really discovered working deeply with the feminine and womb and, and, and nature, because I also work a lot with nature, my belief is very animistic. So, you know, that everything has a, every sentient being has a soul and, and we are all connected. Um, So how it all connects, I find is that you know, the feminine awakening is a descent. That's what I was taught. And it really kind of made so much sense to me, sense to me. And the masculine kind of awakening is an ascent. So upwards, it's all upwards, crown chakra, you know, all non-dualistic, all kind of, you know, oneness and, and all of this, which is, I think, an important part of it. You know, I think, as you said, you know, like it's, we don't have to choose one or the other. It all kind of forms a whole. But at the point in time that we're at, that humanity is at and and what humans are going through, I think, you know, we are very much in a descent process. So it's like we're receiving this like cosmic intelligence and a lot of it actually is already in ourselves, in our remembering, we've just forgotten. And 
the awakening is through the body is through the, the 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 kind of like bearing down of all this ancient wisdom and cosmic kind of um yeah cosmic wisdom that then moves through the body and connects to the earth so the womb is connected to the feet the feet are connected to the earth so it's like this constant kind of like exchange between the female like the 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 womb that a woman would carry and even if a woman doesn't have a womb anymore for whatever reason it is like the the resonance is always still there so the womb of the earth and the womb of the woman are always connected and there is something that i have really kind of felt a lot lately is that you know the mother energy and i'm talking about the mother with a great m whether we have physical children or not it doesn't that's not the point but the energy of the great mother the the divine feminine is very similar to how nature behaves you know so nature is not fair i mean anyone who's spent a bit of time you know if you've ever been on a safari, you will understand that very easily. Like, yeah, it's, you know, you're an antelope and you have a cheetah running after you, your days are counted. And, and I've witnessed that and I'm like, oh my God, it's being killed. And, you know, yeah, but that's how, because the thing is that the, the intelligence of the great mother is more concerned about what is balanced and what is true rather than, you know, saying, oh, you get a gold star because you're doing everything right and, you know, you're only in the light and you're bad because you're in the dark because that's not how it works. All of it is here to bring balance. And, well, the big question is then, you know, like, what's, why? What's, what is all this for? Well, I don't think our intelligence as human, as a human, you know, brain will understand that maybe you know anyone who's reached enlightenment who probably is not in a body might have understood that mm -hmm. so there is a part of the awakening with the feminine principles that are very much connected to the shadow because it is you know like the way i see the the presence of the great mother it's an ruthless unconditional love you know it's fierce unconditional love it's like unconditional love that you know that will call you out on you know the parts of you that are not awakened and it's uncomfortable and it's you know ugh, you know you just want to run the other way kind of thing but that's the way of the feminine awakening so it's the descent it's the womb it's it's the shadow it's the underworld and you know some people refer to that whole process as you know the way of the dark goddess um and yeah, I mean, you know, again, in, in, in that apprenticeship that I went through, you know, we're taught that women have two rivers running through them, the white river and the red river. The white river is the more kind of, you know, Mother Mary, very kind of, um, you know, attentive and caring and, and gentle type of energy. Whereas, you know, the red river would be the Kali energy, this, you know, the destruction, you know, the passion, the pain, you know, and all of that um that chaos you know and mm -hmm. women hold both so i believe that somehow we have more emphasis right now on the kind of dark goddess descent deeper part of the process which is why maybe it's more prevalent and maybe we'll move you know to another aspect of this in the future Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not there. I'm, you know, it still is very present as well. But that's maybe not what 
people need. Right. And that really speaks to where we are in the world and in society <clears throat> in these times. And, you know, I think that a lot of people, a lot of us maybe are really surprised or shocked and certainly disheartened at some of the information that has been coming through. Um, and basically it's that these shadows have existed and they're they're finally coming to the surface to really be seen, to really be made conscious. And so in some ways, at least it seems to me that we are all in a collective um, underworld journey at, the, at this time. And, you know, this Kali Yuga, as it's been called in, in yeah. you know, uh, certain cultures and really in a lot of cultures and throughout time and history and myth and legend, there's so many stories that are similar to this, right? The the story that you told of Inanna and we're talking about Kali. And I actually, I've had this book for a long time and I started reading it a couple of years ago and I just picked it up about a couple of weeks ago now. And it's, um, it's about Sekhmet. And I don't know if you're familiar with Sekhmet, but it's a very similar story. Um, she is an, a, a goddess in the Egyptian pantheon who is this fierce goddess of com compassion and love and healing. And there's all these stories about her just causing mass destruction and chaos and bloodshed and, mm. and these really seemingly horrendous things. But it is, it's about, you know, what you're talking about, this white river and the red river. It's about really making it all conscious and putting it all you know, up to the surface, putting it all out on the table and, and sorting through it and, and finding the balance there and finding the truth within. And, and I think really what I have sort of been discovering over recent years is that it's super necessary to somehow find comfort within the discomfort because there, there is no yeah. life without suffering. There is no life without discomfort and it's going to be part of our process no matter what. And yeah. so the more that we can find support systems, find different tools that resonate for us, do these different aspects of self journeying and self work and self realization in some ways, then we, we have that support to really awaken through the body like you're saying, and to, to embody our, our authentic selves and, mm -hmm. and to really just hold all of these pieces in loving acceptance. And, you know, even saying that I think is, makes it very clear that that is no small task no. Um, <laughs> and that it's incredibly necessary um, because yeah. potentially that's a huge piece of why we're even here in the first place. Yeah. And it may sound really trite to say because it's been said time and time again, but in some aspect or another, I believe at least that we all, any of us who are in existence on this plane right now, we chose to be here at this time. And I think mm. that we can all agree that these are not necessarily the most comfortable times. Yeah. And there's so there's, there's so many jewels that are maybe, you know, just beneath the surface that when we really start to embrace this work and, and find this willingness within ourselves that we're talking about, there is just so much empowerment that can come through it. And so much, you know, quote, enlightenment, but not in a way that we're ascending and we're, you know, these ascended masters necessarily, but just that we're able to really understand our place on the earth at this time that we're able to, you know, potentially live our Dharma and walk our path with, with grace and ease as much as possible. 
Mm. And so this, this is a huge task at hand, um, but really important and something that in some ways we're all being asked to look at right now. Yeah. As far as I can tell. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So, um, so yeah, these are all really big pieces and, um, I really appreciate you taking the time to share with us a little bit, your experience and, and your perspectives on this topic. And, um, I have your information linked in the show notes for today. So people can reach out to you, but for those who are listening, if you want to maybe just share with us how people can get in touch with you or follow you. I know you have, um, you're pretty active on Instagram. Um, so what are some ways that people could maybe reach out to you or, or learn a little bit more about your work? So, um, yeah, first of all, it's been a pleasure. It's, I, this is such a, a cool topic. I'm so, you know, I'm really glad that we, you know, you gave me the opportunity to talk about this because I'm so passionate about it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the way, the best way is to either, uh, go to my website, which is akasha-awakening.com, A-K-A, sha-awakening.com and um also on instagram you'll find me my handle is akasha underscore awakening and um those are really the two platforms that are my main platforms and so yeah i offer one-to-one sessions i share quite a lot on Instagram, as you were saying. So that's also a good way of getting more familiar with, um, with my work and who I am. Uh, Yeah. And my great passion is just to support people who are going through a spiritual awakening. And I think we all need support when we go through that. And, and, you know, most of us didn't have that much support when it started happening. So, you know, that is really what I would love to offer. Beautiful. And yes, the more, like we're saying that we can sort of pinpoint these sources of support before we really get so deep into the process, um, you know, then, then perhaps the, the more grace and ease we're able to call into it all. Yeah, absolutely. So Catherine, thank you so much for, for being here and, and especially for just doing the work that you're doing in the world and, and for sharing your light and shining a lot, a light into these, these dark spaces within our lives. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a joy. Thank you. All right. We'll talk soon. soon. Thank you for listening to Sage and Spirit. You can download more episodes and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple or Google Podcasts. For more show notes and guest information, visit dancingsagewellness.com. Until next time, take care and be well.